Good to be with you this morning uh, and excited to dig into God's Word with you. Uh, may I encourage you, if you have the St. John app, go ahead and open it up and pull out the uh, notes for today's sermon. Uh, there will be some bonus content in there for you. Uh, always got to give a little bonus content. Um, I'm so excited, but let's, let's dig right in. Uh, when I was younger, I used to love to ride my bike. Actually, I have wonderful, fond memories of doing that. And there's a, a sense of freedom that is found in riding your bike for the first time. For most of us, that, that usually means uh, with the help of somebody else or with training wheels. But it's often a race to see how quickly you can take those training wheels off. There's even greater freedom when you ride your bike for the first time without training wheels or without help from anybody else. You finally get to do it on your own. And then after you take off the training wheels, that freedom grows even more as you ride your bike down your driveway, down the street, to a friend's house, or in my case, to Dunkin' Donuts, to get two, not one, two vanilla glazed sprinkled donuts and a Mountain Dew. I was a little younger with a little bit higher metabolism then, but that's what I did every Saturday morning. Riding your bike and being able to travel and go where you want to go is one of the first major freedoms that you gain in life. Even after getting a car, most people still own and ride their bikes because there's a sense of joy and peace in feeling the wind as you ride. This morning is Pentecost. It's a Christian celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles in the, in the New Testament. But sometimes we overlook the importance, the meaning, and the impact that Pentecost has on our lives today. It's not just a celebration of what's happened in the past, but it's a celebration of what is continuing to happen in our lives and what will continue to happen in the future. But before we go any further, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word, to learn and to grow. I pray that it would be your words spoken, not mine this morning. And that we would hear that our minds, our hearts, our ears would be open. We'd be challenged to grow, to be more like you. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen. You see, the nation of Israel celebrated Pentecost before the coming of the Holy Spirit. The reasons God established the celebration of Pentecost in the Old Testament play a major role in why God chose Pentecost as the day to send the apostles the Holy Spirit. And so we view Pentecost as the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we should but in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel would have celebrated the feast 
of weeks. Or to be more specific, the Feast of Seven Weeks. The day after Passover, the nation of Israel would have counted seven weeks, or 49 days, and then on the next day would have celebrated the Feast of Weeks, or as we call it, Pentecost, which means 50th. During Pentecost, the Israelites would present two loaves of bread baked with leaven as the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And so as we begin to dig into the Old Testament looking of the Feast of Weeks, we see the reason God chose Pentecost to send the Holy Spirit more clearly as you connect Pentecost to Passover and the year of Jubilee. On the day after Passover, the Israelites would have given a barley, uh, an offering of barley, and then on Pentecost, like we mentioned, an offering of wheat. This marked the beginning and the end of the grain harvest, or a fulfillment of the grain harvest. Fulfillment being the key and major theme that we'll continue to see as we work through our scripture today. As we mentioned, Pentecost means 50th, which also connects with the year of Jubilee, and Jubilee connecting with Pentecost and Passover. The year of Jubilee, which was celebrated on the 50th year following every seven Sabbaths of year, or 49 years. Again, see the connection between the waiting period of Pentecost and the waiting period of the year of Jubilee. There's some extreme similarities. And the year of Jubilee was set up by God as a year of freedom. Pastor Chad Bird highlights the freedoms experienced during the year of Jubilee and connects it with Pentecost like this. During this year, any ancestral land that Israel families had sold was given back to them. They were freed. Also, any Israelite who, induced by poverty, had sold himself or had been sold into slavery to a fellow Israelite regained his liberty. Again, noticing freedom. Not only the people, but the land itself was freed from being worked. No planting or sowing Harvesting, reaping took place during the 50th year. Like the sabbatical year, which happened every seventh year, the Jubilee year was a great Sabbath, or rest for the people of Yahweh, and the land that belonged to Him. Therefore, because of the Jubilee year, the number 50 is closely associated with the remission of, of debts, emancipation of slaves, and rest within God's protective care. And so like the festival held every 50 years, or we know the year of Jubilee, the festival held every year, Pentecost, on the 50th day of the Feast of Weeks, proclaimed the following. God had freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, he had fulfilled his promise to give them the Holy Land, and he provided rest for them from their physical labor. 
And so what does all of this have to do with today? Pentecost as a Christian celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm glad that you asked. All throughout Scripture, we see God being a fulfiller. God is constantly working to make things whole. When things were broken back in Genesis, God began the work of making things whole. God fulfills what he started in the Old Testament with the Feast of Weeks through the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. The things that were celebrated, the things that were, were began with the Old Testament Feast of Weeks are made full and whole through Pentecost with a focus on believers experiencing freedom in Christ. We see this fulfillment in four major ways. First, we see those 50 days of anticipation, a waiting period. During the 50 days leading up to the Old Testament Pentecost, Israel symbolized this waiting period between Egypt and the Promised Land and the first fruits that that land would offer. And during the 50 days leading up to the New Testament Pentecost, the apostles anticipated the first fruits of the Spirit of God. And it's interesting to note that on the eve of major fulfillment, God uses anticipation and waiting to challenge our faithfulness and patience. The second fulfillment that we see is with the first fruits of the Spirit. At the Old Testament Pentecost, the Israelites offered the first fruits of the wheat harvest. By doing so, the believer demonstrated the whole harvest and crop belonged to God. At the New Testament Pentecost, God places the Spirit, the first fruits, in the believer demonstrating they belong to him, anticipating the full harvest, or as we like to call it, the resurrection that's to come. The third fulfillment that we see is with the year of Jubilee. During the Old Testament uh, Pentecost and the year of Jubilee, Israel focused on freedom from slavery the gift of the promised land, and rest from physical labor. These temporary freedoms were fulfilled in Jesus' ministry. Jesus provided fulfillment, freedom from sin and death, the gift of the kingdom of God, and salvation through Christ alone, rest from spiritual labor. Meaning we didn't have to work for our salvation. At the New Testament Pentecost, the same spirit that anointed Jesus during his ministry is the same spirit that comes upon the apostles and all believers to preach this freedom from sin and death, the kingdom of God, and resting in the work of Christ alone. The final fulfillment that we see is in the preaching of the new covenant. 
the covenant that Jesus establishes. During the Old Testament Pentecost, Israel connected Pentecost with the giving of the law. In the New Testament Pentecost, Jesus becomes the fulfillment of the law. And through the coming of the Holy Spirit, the freedom in Christ's fulfillment is proclaimed. The fulfillment of the Feast of Weeks through the work of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost shows that God is constantly working to make things whole. The Old Testament Feast of Weeks was a temporary fulfillment, a temporary look of what God wanted to accomplish through Christ. But Christ and the Holy Spirit is that permanent fulfillment. In Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit come upon the apostles, resulting in them realizing this fulfillment through Christ. And we see it in the same way. We realize the complete fulfillment of Christ's promises through the reception of and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's read that in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The coming of the Holy Spirit initiates the change from the law of flesh to the law of the Spirit. The uh, apostles were anticipating this. They were looking forward to this coming. And when it arrived, they were filled. And the Spirit came like a, a, a mighty rushing wind. It was all-consuming. There was Nothing in their lives that was not impacted by this Spirit. And we see that all throughout the New Testament in the ministries of the apostles. So let's go back to my bike and ride in it to Dunkin' Donuts for a minute. The wind, when you ride your bike, can be all-consuming. Whether you're riding with the wind or against it, it always has an impact on your ride. And if you're riding with somebody else, family member or a friend, it makes it incredibly difficult to hear them. Why? Because the wind is all-consuming. The wind impacts every aspect of riding your bike. In the same way, the Spirit of God impacts every aspect, every part of your life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit was life-changing for the apostles, and it should be the same way with us. We see the beginnings of this 
uh, a little bit later in Acts chapter 2 in verses 32 through 41 in, in Peter's sermon, right after receiving and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's read that together in Acts chapter 2, verses 32 through 41. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. And let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to encourage them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This message from Peter isn't just true for the apostle, but it's also true for us. Christ's fulfillment of the old covenant and being filled with the Holy Spirit inspires us to preach the truth of Christ. When we experience the fulfillment of Christ's words and are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we become desirous to share the truth of Christ with those around us. The Spirit transforms and empowers us, and it cannot be contained. Now, some of you may hear this and say it sounds pretty scary. Because you may say, well, I'm no preacher. And I'm not talking about preaching from a pulpit. Each one of us is inspired to share the freedom we have experienced in Christ. Every day we have opportunities to share how Jesus has impacted our lives, empowered by the Spirit of God. The question is, how are we using these opportunities? I'll often ask our students, how can you share Jesus with the people around you? I'll get some great answers. These are wonderful answers. Like, treat others the way you want to be treated. Or invite them to church. Or to be kind. But here in the book of Acts, we see it goes beyond our actions. Our actions do need to line up with what we say, but what are we saying? I know for me as an adult, 
this becomes even more real than it was when I was a youth, the challenge to speak up about Christ in my everyday life. Look at the challenge that we're given in Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So be bold. Be bold in preaching the good news of Jesus to the people around you. Share how Christ and the Holy Spirit have impacted your life. There are people all around you. Just like the apostles, just like Peter who was preaching, who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus. And you have been placed exactly where you are and have been equipped with the Spirit of the living God to do just that. So finally, we see Pentecost God's fulfillment by sending the Holy Spirit is so that we may fully experience freedom in Christ. And I went back and forth a lot of times, this one being number three and this one being number two, because it seems like you would have this be number two and then you share it. But when you look at Scripture, the apostles were filled and they preached. And God continued to work and continued to reveal and continued to allow them to experience the freedom in Christ throughout their ministry. So Romans chapter 8 tells us what this looks like. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, Christ says he's sending the Holy Spirit so that we could live into the law of the Spirit. Christ also calls him the helper. And the Spirit of God helps us experience the full freedom found in Christ. The purpose of the Spirit is not to keep us the same because we are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to our old selves. We're no longer slaves to our old ways. Instead, we are given the opportunity to experience the way God intended for us to live. Again, the apostles were anticipating this. They were anticipating the Spirit. And as a result, when it came, they chose to submit to 
and to allow the Spirit to transform them from the inside out. And so when we choose to submit to the Spirit, we too experience transformation. When the Spirit becomes all-consuming in our lives, it empowers us to become more like Christ. The Spirit also guides us in all truth. It gives us the confidence to witness and to preach the good news of Jesus. The Spirit convicts us of our sin so that we may pursue holiness instead. The Spirit reveals God's words to us and brings us closer to other believers. There's freedom in letting go. There's freedom in letting go of the things the Spirit does not hold against you in Christ. There's freedom in repenting of our sins and living into the power of Christ. There's freedom in letting go of the pain and embracing the peace of the Spirit. There's freedom in letting go of the guilt and embracing the innocence found in Christ. And there's freedom in breaking the chains of sin and embracing the truth of God's word. This kind of freedom has the power to captivate, to inspire, and to transform lives. And we, as believers who are filled and empowered by the Spirit, are ambassadors of this freedom in both word and in action. So let me close with this. One of my favorite tricks to do when I was younger was to ride my bike with no hands. Now, I have to say, if you're going to do this, make sure you wear a helmet like this guy. Um, but for whatever reason, there was a sense of greater freedom knowing I could successfully ride my bike without my hands. There was freedom in letting go. And there was freedom in feeling the mighty rushing wind in my arms outstretched wide. And so every time we come to this table and every time we experience the Spirit in our lives, we're reminded of that freedom. And so as we partake this morning of communion, may I challenge you to ponder these questions. How have I experienced the freedom found in Christ, empowered by the Spirit? And how will I respond? Pastor Tom, come and, and lead us in uh, remembering how God is a fulfiller of his promises.